Welcome back to the podcast. It's Monday, July 11th, 2022. Today I'll be talking back to the Sunday Talking Heads on CBS Face the Nation, where Virginia Governor Glenn Youngkin lays out the Republican platform and successes on everything from abortion restrictions to protecting Supreme Court justices from intimidation. We'll also be checking in on Sunday morning propaganda on CBS Sunday Morning, where correspondent David Pogue talks with former Secretary Treasurer Larry Summers, former Labor Secretary Robert Reich, all Democrats, and economist Mike Ronzenal try to convince us that, again, the Biden administration's spending policies are not to blame for the current rates of inflation. Also be tearing into the Sunday New York Times. Going over the headlines all in the next 30 minutes. But first, I'll be taking you back to school, giving you some historical context to frame this week's news narrative. The word of the day is nationalism. Definition of nationalism one, loyalty and devotion to a nation. Loyalty and devotion to a nation actually act the actual definition of nationalism, which is really putting your, the country of your residence or citizenry above all other concern. So what is nationalism? What is the definition of nationalism and why does it matter? And this is from the World Atlas. The ways in which nationalism can manifest itself is quite broad and could concern the ethnic, cultural, and political background of a country. These varieties include civil nationalism, religious nationalism, territorial nationalism, ethnic nationalism, anti-colonial nationalism, economic nationalism, cultural nationalism, and racial nationalism. Recently in the United States, we've been mostly concerned with a form of economic nationalism whose broad strokes were... uh, laid out by Steve Bannon. So everybody knows what a lot of these things are, but I'm going to stick right to economic nationalism because that is basically the type of nationalism that the new right is espousing. Economic nationalism is a type of nationalism where political authority prioritizes on economic and labor control through placing restrictions on the international movement of capital, labor, products while encouraging doctrines such as mercantilism, protectionism, and anti-globalism. So Britannica has nationalism summary here. Nationalism, loyalty, and devotion to one's nation or country. It's actually nation state, especially as above loyalty to other groups or to individual interests before the era of the nation state. The primary allegiance 
of most people was to their immediate locality or religious group, the rise of large centralized states, weakened local authority and society's increasingly secularization, weakened loyalty to religious groups through shared religion along with common ethnicity, political heritage, and history is one of the factors that draws people together in nationalist movements. Early nationalist movements in the 18th and 19th century were liberal and internationalist, but they gradually become more conservative and parochial. Less than 3% of you people read books. So we're gonna go quickly just to the reading recommendations. Imagine Communities, Reflections on the Origins and Spread of Nationalism, this book by Benedict Anderson. Benedict Anderson's Imagine Communities is justifiably a classic, classic of the political science and history its impact on the study of nationalism, which is arguably the ideology most resistant to academic study, can hardly be measured. Anderson, a specialist in Southeast Asian history, lets his scholarly instincts roam across the entire world as he seeks to explain just why it is that nationalism has become so prevalent in the world. One more read and recommendation, Nationalism Theory, Ideology, History, is this book by Anthony Smith. For the last two centuries, nationalism has been a central feature of society and politics. Few ideologies match the power and the resonance, and no other political movement and symbolic language has, been, has had such worldwide appeal and resilience, but nationalism is also a form of public culture and political religion, which draws on much older cultural and symbolic forms. Seeking to do justice to these different facets of nationalism, the second edition of this popular and respected overview has been revised and updated with contemporary developments and the latest scholarly work. Nationalism, theory, ideology, and history. Definitely worth a read. Get right into the news. Uh, some of the headlines just from over the weekend. Choose your reality. Trust Wayne's conspiracy theories rise. This is from the Associated Press's David Klepper from the 9th. So he goes into this case study. It's the age of information and, hidden, and the hidden government, the people who control everything. They know they can't win, Wilson told the Associated Press. They're all lying to us, but we're going to break through this. It'll be a good change for everyone. Rejecting what they hear from scientists, journalists, <laughs> or public officials, these people instead embrace tales of dark plots and secret expl explanations. And their beliefs, say experts are uh, who study misinformation and extremism, now you're an extremist if you're a uh, conspiracy theorist, reflect a widespread loss of faith in institutions like governments and media. A poll conducted last year by the Associated Press found that just 16% of Americans say democracy is working well or extremely well. Another 38% said it's not working or only somewhat well. So this is a hit job on anybody who holds any sort of conspiracy theory. Like the people with capital and the elite class aren't working against the populist movements of the world is just a ridiculous. On the day before Independence Day in Boston this year, a group of about 100 masked men carrying fight fascist flags okay and so they go they try to link um the patriot front uh with people that hold conspiracy theories the uh, this is a hit job on conspiracy theories everybody doesn't trust what's going on people are flocking to uh broadcasters like alex jones 
because he has an explanation for what's going on. It's not just nobody accepts the status quo and everybody distrusts authority. And that's just a hit job on conspiracy theorists trying to tie conspiracy theory, right-wing conspiracy theory, to the Patriot Front. Here you go, and extremism and terrorism, you see it's what it's what's coming. So also over the weekend, Elon Musk notifies Twitter he is uh, terminating the deal. Uh, what I said, the fact of the matter is with this, with his purchase of Twitter is, is it's the bot count. And uh, a great majority of Twitter subscribers are bots. Majority of those are controlled by the intelligence agencies to form public opinion. So that's a national security issue. So that can't get out. Whether Elon knew that the deal would never go through and he was using it for ulterior motives, that could have very well been. But when you talk about bots, Twitter isn't going to divulge what the percentage of bots is because it's a national secret. Elon Musk is backing out of the deal. Big headline. If people who are following um, the Sri Lanka protests uh, over the weekend, uh, angered by the economic meltdown, they stormed the president's house and the president and the prime minister had to stand down in the Sri Lanka's January 6th, basically, is they weren't going to put up with the government any longer, and so they force, forced at least the heads of state there to step down. That was over the weekend. From the New York Times, uh, with rising book bans, librarians have come under attack. Um, this is trying to say is that some terrorism or something bad is going to happen to librarians because the librarians want to keep in their libraries sexually explicit books that are targeting children. So talking about uh, alternative sexual lifestyles, uh, putting it in children's book, it just isn't appropriate. And people are trying to say that, and it's right-wing book banning because you don't want to teach your uh, six-year-old about sodomy. And they go into some of the um, uh, some of the books, uh, particularly Lawn Boy. So look into Lawn Boy. Uh, Lawn Boy isn't an appropriate reading for children. So you can look up Lawn Boy and figure out what it's all about. So for the Washington Examiner, a uh, liberal protest group offers bounties for info on where conservative justices are located. If you didn't know what this was happening, uh, it was it's really Antifa that is trying to dox, have people report when they witness. So if you're like a restaurant staffer or something and you see one of the conservative justices come into your restaurant, you're supposed to get on the horn and tell Antifa um, and Antivo is going to reward you with um, 250 bucks for the tip, and then they could turn out their protesters and then film that with an agiprop action. Moving along, the Associated Press reports over-the-counter birth control drug maker seeks FDA approval. This is an article by Matthew Perrone. You could see this happening, and I explained it right away, is the federal government and and the drug makers are using what's happening on abortion to push over-the-counter birth control. So you're not going to need to go to an abortion clinic to get your uh, pregnancy terminated. You could just take a pill and have a miscarriage, and you could deal with a fetus the way you want. Unfortunately, uh, that's not going to provide um, fetal tissue. So the, the powers that be always prefer a late-term abortion so you could take the baby parts. Um, but they will certainly, as population control 
uh, measure, certainly uh, the FDA will approve the abortion pill, which you could take, I think, up to four or five months of pregnancy uh, to induce a miscarriage. So the next article up is from CNN. Uh, China crushes mass protests by bank depositors demanding their life savings bank back. Excuse me. Um, Chinese authorities on Sunday violently dispersed a peaceful, a peaceful protest by hundreds of depositors who sought in vain to demand their life savings back after banks, after a bank collapse. Uh, none of this is really surprising, but what happens is if you try to protest, uh, the bank's losing your money, then the government comes in with their thugs and beat you up and drag you off to jail and possibly take your organs. Again, from the Associated Press in this article by Mike Corder, anger simmers for Dutch farmers who oppose pollution, uh, pollution cuts. Um, at least they're reporting this in the mainstream media, not widely, but uh, the Dutch farmer protest is still going on and they're still blocking hi highways, bales of hay lie burning along Dutch highways, supermarket shelves staying empty because distribution centers are blocked by farmers. Then at dusk, a police officer pulls his pistol and shoots at a tractor. Um, I, you know, the, the media tries to push it like, uh-oh, these people are becoming disruptive. Um, that's the whole point of a protest is become disruptive. So, uh, but the fact is the, the farmers are right in protesting government cuts to a climate crisis myth uh, that is just a, a, a means of control. You'll see, because uh, I'll probably report on this uh, sometime during the week, is that they're going to outlaw or eliminate or ban all combustion. So either you're at the tit of the elect electrical generation system, however that comes about, you're not going to be able to burn a fire or use a combustion engine or all that's going to go away. You know, mark my word, at least within the next seven years. But this is about... The Dutch thing is about limiting methane. So through cow farts and fertilizer, I don't know. Um, but a lot of people didn't know, like the Netherlands is the fourth largest producer of food, dairy, uh, uh, cow-based product. So we're going to tear right into the uh, New York Times. Uh, the Dems are turning on Biden at 79 they finally mention his age. Biden is testing the boundaries of age and the presidency. President Biden has said he has plans for a run for a second term, but his age has become an uncomfortable issue for him and the party. So this is where they start to turn on him. Also on Meet the Press this week, they had their third stringer, the uh, anchor there, uh, interview uh, Kamala Harris because no, you know, Maggie Brennan wouldn't touch it. So they, he tossed her a bunch of softballs. They're trying to make her look more presidential. Uh, good luck with that. Up next, Liz Cheney's latest fans, Democratic donors. Despite policy disagreements, donors like Jeffrey Katzenberg are backing the Wyoming uh, Republican because of her role in the House committee investigating January 6th attack. You see how it all works out? You're just on the side of the establishment, and the establishment will come and reward you. Good job, you know, the DNC. Good job, Liz. You're doing wonderfully. Here's, here's a list of our donors. They'll be happy to give. Like, that's not corruption. Blinken presses China's top diplomat on Ukraine, but stresses cooperation at the G20 meeting. J 
January Secretary of State Anthony Blinken sought to cool tensions with Beijing in an effort to further isolate Russia. He met resistance. Of course, Anthony Blinken, you're the Secretary of State. Have you heard of BRICS, right? Brazil, Russia, India, China. Hello? They're aligned against the United States. So he makes this feign effort to try to, oh, help us in his diminutive stance. China's rising, America's weakening, it's all done on purpose. It's the authoritarian bankers and corporate oligarchs who want a more authoritarian system. And the reason the United States public is oblivious to this is because of the next article, The Age of Dist Distract Depression. The pandemic's true role on mental health won't be known for a long time, but data from the past two years indicates a rise, some of it's sharp, in prescription drugs from conditions like ADHD and depression. They prescribe drugs for everything. If you're on pharmaceuticals, get off. And if you're on heart medication, you can never get off. So think twice about getting on blood thinners and all this other stuff because you can't get off it. And especially with these uh, SSRI drugs, uh, these are mass murder suicide pills. So if you try to get off them also, you could have some sort of terrible, terrible reaction. So this is an article from the 9th from Casey Schwartz. If you're wondering which pills and how many of them Americans have relied on to make ourselves feel better since COVID, the answer in short is yes. Yeah, so she goes into a long article and trying to say, trying to condone the use of these type of uh, pharmaceuticals for people dealing with COVID. Oh, COVID was so horrible. She needed to take, don't take these. This is the plan against you. This is the attack. It's a biological attack. It's a psychological attack. But the softening up for the psychological attack is a biological attack to get you on pharmaceuticals that put you in a suggestive state. And then the media takes over with their propaganda. So if you're smart, you should take, stay off of drugs, especially pharmaceutical drugs. How do we, <laughs> this is social cues. This is from Philip Galanis from the seventh. So Philip Galanis has this column, social cues. It's like a Dear Abby thing where people write in and sometimes you have to think of these letters are even real. So the first one up is how do we get rid of our teenage daughter's gun safe? A reader wonders what to do after the daughter responds to a breach of privacy by investigating, uh, investing in a locker meant for weaponry, not diaries. So the basic letter just says, hey, we were looking through our daughter's diary. She kept it in a, and so she didn't want us to do that. So she put it in a safe. She bought a gun safe at a secondhand store and she put her diary in the gun safe. And now the parents just don't want it because it's a quote unquote gun safe. So she doesn't have a gun, she keeps her diary in it, but the parents don't want it in the house because it's a gun safe. So it's not even a firearm, it's a safe to protect firearms, which I thought is a good idea. And she's not even using it for a firearm, she's using it for her diary, and the parents don't want it in the house. Talk about leftist lunacy. And so we always leave you in the Sunday Review here, which is the opinion pieces of the week. And our gun myths have held America hostage for too long. And I forget what this was in the paper. This was a different headline in the paper. It's, um, I think it was echoing Joe Biden's sentiment is, um, 
that the Second Amendment isn't um, absolute, something to that degree. And Francisco Canto starts off by saying, like so many Americans, I have been called into relationships with guns since I was a child and have been made to understand even long before I could articulate it that guns represented something essential about what it means to become a fully realized American man. No, it should just say that guns represent something essential about what it means to become a fully realized American, not an American man. Because the, the Second Amendment doesn't say anything about men. It says that all that you have the right to keep and bear arms. So whether you're a woman, and you know, since every man and woman, I suppose, are created equal, then you can have a gun. But he tries to make it this machismo argument that it's like the patriarchy. And as I become older, guns were given to me as a rite of passage by my father, by my mother's boyfriend, and by the United States government upon my graduation of Border Control Academy when I, uh, when I was 23, blah, 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 blah. Long drawn out, long winded opinion piece about our gun myths. Uh, the second amendment says you have the right to keep and bear arms. I would admit that that includes a fighting rifle and a fighting pistol for whatever, militia, home protection, protection of yourself, you wanna conceal carry, carry a pistol, um, if you want to carry your rifle in your car. I just think that that is the Second Amendment right, to keep and bear arms, so to protect yourself and others. And you don't need to go into a long-winded opinion piece about how you were brought up with guns, but now you think that limited magazines and limited types of weapons and you can't have these murders keep happening. Well, the murders keep happening, the the high-profile cases keep happening because, well, there's no motivation, so we don't really know. So they all are suspect. Uh, mass, other mass shootings, they aren't all suspect. But they certainly, most of them, these high-profile, seem-to-be-unmotivated cases are suspect. So right off to Glenn Youngkin and three cheers for him for winning on a good platform of parental rights in student education, especially if it's taxpayer funded. Um, and then he has a lot of, they tried to lure him into a lot of things, whether he supports Trump or whether he's gonna run for president or whatever. He sticks to his guns and talks about policy platform. Virginia Governor Glenn Youngkin, who won in an upset last November. The debate on abortion has been uh, raging for a long time. And I believe as a pro-life governor that life begins at conception. And my job as a pro-life governor in a state in Virginia where 18 months ago, the debate uh, in our General Assembly was around whether abortion should be allowed all the way up through and including birth. What? Funded by taxpayer money. What? The Supreme Court's decision, I agree with, that this is a decision for states to make by elected officials by the citizens of Virginia. State will decide something different. And I think that's the, that's the real value of the Supreme Court's decision. Life begins at conception. My job is, is to get something done. And I believe we can get a 15-week pain threshold bill done in Virginia for the first time. Think about it. This was a state, again, that 
just 18 months ago was talking about enabling abortion all the way up through and including birth. And now we're able to talk about a 15-week pain threshold bill where a baby feels pain. What? I do believe that there should be exceptions that are made in the case of rape and incest and when the life of the mother is truly at risk. Um, again, this is a moment, though, where people have to come together. The one thing that's uh, very much agreed upon in Virginia today is that we want fewer abortions, not more. One of your first actions as governor was to propose the end of teaching of, quote, inherently divisive concepts. We saw students being taught that they should view everything through a lens of race and judge one another. And you ain't black. We shouldn't teach children that they should judge one another and one group's privileged and another group is, is gonna find it hard in life necessarily. And we shouldn't blame someone and have them form a view that they're inherently racist because of their race. And you ain't black. Remove inherently divisive concepts from curriculum. It was about white supremacy. There's certain groups that want to drive people apart, and my job is to pull them together around a vision for education that can deliver for our Security kids. Security is also an issue in your state. We've been talking about the Supreme Court. Some of those justices live in Virginia. Which is so clear, you can't parade and picket in front of a judge's home and try to influence them. I have to be honest, though. I, I talk to thousands of Virginians, and the topics they want to talk about is not January 6th. What they want to talk about is runaway inflation, gas prices. They want to talk about crime in their communities. They want to talk about education and the rights of parents to be engaged in their kids' schools. I just fundamentally believe that that the media's attention on this, while, while I think it's important to the media, is really well, not but, what but, voters but are focused not just, on. It's not just the media. <laughs> A Republican agenda on low taxes and great schools and safe communities. And by the way, a thriving economy that's working. And I think this is the one that's gonna really carry a red wave across the nation okay. this year. The reality of course is I've been, in, I've been governor of Virginia for six months. We've got an extraordinary amount done, $4 billion tax cuts, a record budget for education, $400 million into law enforcement to raise salaries and keep our community safe. Yeah, you got to love uh, Glenn Youngkin, man. He's doing a great job. At it. Has a great policy platform and uh, is really, really doing well. So David Bogue, once again, tries to tell us that inflation isn't caused by out-of-control spending. And he has Larry Summers on who, you know, he wish-washes a little bit. Um, but he does say that uh, the economic policies, even before uh, Biden, but certainly during Biden, might have a little something to do with it. So let's hear. Our economy has been battered by and a war. So is that why we're seeing sky-high inflation? So what's going on? As you may recall, prices are a function of supply and demand. Ah. Greedflation. Harvard professor Larry Summers was the Treasury Secretary in the Clinton administration. He predicted this year's inflation over a year ago. Within the year, we're going to be dealing with the most serious incipient inflation problem that we have faced in the last 40 years. The combination of pumping trillions and trillions and trillions of stimulus money and the Federal Reserve keeping interest rates at zero all of that taken together was, I think, uh, inevitably going to drive the car much too fast and cause it to go off uh, the road. Then, in an unhappy coincidence... I'm tired of being quiet! But lately, we've been hearing about a third contributing factor. 
the last thing we should be thinking about is rewarding companies for exploiting the situation. Ah, greedflation. Greedflation. Mike Konzel is an economist at the Roosevelt Institute. Robert Reich is a professor at Berkeley and was labor secretary in the Clinton administration. Our obligation is to our shareholders. Uh, and that's it. What? I wouldn't call it greedflation, quite honestly. I mean, companies are responding to what the incentives are in the market, and they have to maximize their shareholder returns. That's it. These corporation leaders are being exploitative and, and unfair. I don't use the term unfair. It's not a matter of morality. The corporations are not people. They are going to maximize their share prices. That's what they do. So I think this idea that prices being raised in the face of strong demand constitutes gouging is a real misconception. You make it sound like capitalism is working like it's supposed to. We have more and more monopolization, more and more market power, more and more power by big companies to set prices. But I thought there's antitrust laws. I, have, I thought the government's supposed to protect us from that. Well, you would think so. But since the 1980s, antitrust law has become very unfashionable. You can look past that inflation thing. Pumping trillions and trillions and trillions of stimulus money. Ah, greedflation. Greedflation. You idiot! Yeah. It's spending. It's spending. Sure, there are other factors. There are always other factors. But you know the inflation is because of spending if it's broad-based inflation through everything. Now, everything doesn't go up the same amount, but the, the value of the dollar goes down. That's inflation due to inflating the currency, not because of Vladimir Putin, not because of supply and demand, not because of COVID. COVID was a distraction because the financial system is really, it's a house of cards, it's gonna collapse or it's gonna be forced to collapse or quantitative easing, it'll try to let us down slowly, but I don't think it's gonna work. All right, so for me, Rudy's Revelation. We'll see you tomorrow. Don't forget to like, subscribe. Follow me on Twitter and Facebook. Get our minds. See ya.